Hi there, it's Matt here, and welcome back to the podcast. Sleep is remarkable, meaning sleep is both astounding, but at times, what I mean is in the very literal sense of the word, that some aspects of sleep are so strange, they are so striking, that they are of remark. Today is just such a topic. Yes. <laughs> yes, you did read the title of this episode correctly. Exploding Head Syndrome. But this is not a social media piece of charlatan science or some crass attempt at clickbait. This is a real and also, as you will see, consequential sleep disorder. But don't worry, by the way, not consequential in the exact sense of the wording and its consequence to the patient, my goodness. Uh, I don't know if I could record such a podcast, but you'll come to learn what I mean in just a second. Let's start by exploring some definitions. What is exploding head syndrome? Exploding head syndrome is a sleep-related phenomenon, and it is classified under the broader set of sleep disorders that we call parasomnias. Now, as you will know on this podcast, we love words and the precise meaning of words. So let's quickly examine the etymology or the root origin of that term parasomnia, starting with the para part of it. Para derives from the Greek word, uh, the very same Greek word, para meaning beside or sometime around. And then somnia derived from the Latin root of somnus, meaning sleep. So, in other words, these are a class of sleep disorders, this class called the parasomnias, that they are conditions that sit around this thing called sleep, or disorders that sit just beside sleep. And if you're wondering, other parasomnias include things like night terrors, sleepwalking, uh, sleep-related eating, uh, nightmare disorders. But let's get back to exploding head syndrome. The core experience of patients with exploding head syndrome consists of the perception of a very sudden, devastating, loud, booming noise. And just to give you a sense of this, it would be similar to a loud explosion or a gunshot or even crashing cymbals. And they occur typically as the patient is either falling asleep or as they're waking up out of sleep. That phase of falling asleep actually has a name. It's called the hypnagogic phase. And that comes from the Greek term of hypnos, meaning sleep, and agagos, meaning to lead in. So in other words, the hypnagogic phase is the lead-in phase to sleep. And then we have the waking up phase, and that also has a name. That is called the hypnopompic phase. And that comes from the Greek of pompe, meaning to send away. And we've already described the Greek front end of that word, hypnos, meaning sleep. 
So in other words, the hypnopompic phase is the phase that sends you away or sends you out of sleep. So it's during these two phases, the hypnagogic phase, falling asleep, and the hypnopompic phase of waking up out of sleep, that such exploding head syndrome perceptions emerge. As you could imagine, these are alarming and often frightening auditory hallucinations. They're, of course, not real. And here, don't worry, because they are not accompanied by any type of pain inside the head. There is no physical pain associated with them. The problem, of course, is that they evoke intense feelings of fear and anxiety right around this thing called sleep that you certainly don't want fear of or anxiety around. A sponsor of today's show is Inside Tracker, which is a service that comes out to your home and they will analyze your blood and your DNA to know precisely what is going on inside of you. Hence the name Inside Tracker. They look at your blood, your metabolic signals, your hormonal health metrics, and then they give you a personalized actionable set of lifestyle changes in response to that readout. And the goal there is to improve your health. I was looking and informed they have some new cardiovascular and new hormonal biomarkers that I'm particularly interested in. One that I'm focused on is something called ApoB, which is an absolutely critical heart health measure. And I get it done now with them somewhere between four to six times a year. Why? Well, my family, unfortunately, has a strong history of cardiovascular disease. So I am checking that pretty ruthlessly. And by the way, I do buy the product myself out of pocket. I don't want to fall prey to any of those trappings and undue incentives. Although with full admission, I still use my own discount code that you can use to get some money off. And that code for you is insidetracker.com forward slash Matt Walker. So just go over to insidetracker.com forward slash Matt Walker. And again, if you want to get that discount, it is insidetracker.com forward slash Matt Walker. Thanks very much. For most of us, sleep is something or should be something that we all look forward to in terms of its peace and its tranquility. But for these individuals, it can be quite the opposite. Before I move on to detail in terms of some of the clinical aspects and the underlying mechanisms and also some of the treatments, let me situate us in a little of the history of exploding head syndrome. If you dig into the literature, <laughs> a little bit like me as someone who clearly has no social life, if that's your strong desire on a Friday evening, again, Matthew, you're drifting. This is not about you. From everything that you can read in the literature, it seems to have been initially described back in 1876. However, it took over a hundred years before it was formalized and received its distinctive name. 
and that occurred in 1989, thanks to a neurologist, J.M.S. Pierce. And Pierce was working back in the Department of Neurology in the UK, my home country, at the Hull Royal Infirmary. And that is in the city of Hull, which is a great city. It sits on the west coast of England in the county of Yorkshire. And essentially, if you think about the vertical height of England, it sits right in the middle on the west coast. And if you're interested in uh, miscellany and uh, idiotic facts that you can clog up your synapses with, Hull is perhaps most well-known as being a remarkable and rightful birthplace of slavery abolition in the UK, all down to the incredible efforts of slavery abolitionist William Wilberforce. But I'm drifting again, aren't I? Sorry about that. Coming back to Pierce... He published his paper in 1989, and it contained some remarkable case study descriptions of exploding head syndrome systematically. In fact, I think there was at least 50 in total that he described. And although two neurologists, arguably O'Donnell and Martin, mentioned the features of exploding head syndrome three years before in a paper in 1986, it was really Pierce who formalized the condition of exploding head syndrome in the medical pantheon. Despite Pierce publishing that paper back in 1989, it has received very little attention. But that attention seems to have increased significantly in part down to the advent of social media and also some online patient communities. Um, oh, I'm, I, I should mention, by the way, I'm bringing up social media here not in the pejorative sense, because what you discover when you look at the literature and, and meet some of these patients is that social media and these online groups have actually allowed patients the ability to share their experiences and their symptoms and connect with each other and feel validated in terms of their condition. And, and that's actually really important, especially with something as strange as exploding head syndrome. So that's a little bit about the history, but now let me turn to the clinical presentation. Meaning that if you are a doctor, and today you go into your clinic, what should you expect to see and hear presented to you from a patient that is experiencing this particular condition and have the internal light bulb go on inside of your brain as to the potential diagnosis of exploding head syndrome. Well, when that patient comes in, the primary symptom, as we described before, is that they will have experienced powerful auditory hallucinations and specifically of a loud sound. But that's not all that they experience. Some patients also report perceiving visual elements that go alongside those booms so that the explosive sounds are also paired with almost ice pick-like bright flashes of light in their head. And although I mentioned there's no pain in the brain or the body, many of these patients will also describe physical symptoms. And these are commonly things such as palpitations, shortness of breath, 
and those all seem to be linked to a rather unpleasant rush of adrenaline. And when you add all of those things up, both the booming noise, sometimes these strange visual elements, and all of the physical body symptoms that go around to it, it's only going to heighten the individual's distress around sleep, or even wanting to go anywhere near this thing called sleep. Now again, coming back to you as the doctor, the formal diagnosis of exploding head syndrome relies heavily on these patient-reported experiences. Why? Because currently there is no definitive test, there is no brain scan or there is no brainwave recording that can conclusively identify the condition. That's not to suggest that as the doctor, upon hearing these things, as doctors should do or will do in sleep medicine, it doesn't mean that they won't perform various objective evaluations, including things like brainwave EEG recordings or MRI scans. However, those EEG or MRI scans are not done to confirm the diagnosis of exploding head syndrome, but instead to rule out other neurological or potential auditory conditions that could be responsible for the symptoms. And in medicine, this is what we call a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning that this diagnosis of exploding head syndrome is reached only after ruling out and excluding all of the other potential causes. And of course, any good doctor, if they're moving towards this diagnosis, would want to dispel any misconceptions and myths around the condition. And especially when you think of the rather dramatic name and the symptoms of exploding head syndrome, it's very misunderstood in the public and even occasionally by healthcare providers. Perhaps the most significant misconception is that the disorder is dangerous or perhaps not dangerous, but life-threatening. While exploding head syndrome can be deeply unsettling, please, please understand that it is not physically harmful in that sense. And what I mean is that those perceived auditory hallucinations pose no threat to one's hearing, for example, or even one's brain health. That is not to say, however, that there is no consequence, that there is no impact. There is, and specifically, a psychological one. It can take rather a significant toll, as well you can imagine. Because whilst those episodes themselves may be brief, the emotional impact can be long-lasting. And this fear, this distress, often felt as you're moving into sleep or coming out of sleep, creates a very strong anxiety towards going to bed or towards this thing called sleep. And it's called somnophobia. Somna, again, meaning sleep, and from the Greek root term of phobos, meaning aversion or fear. So in other words, a fear of this very thing called sleep itself. And the cruelty here is that as the anxiety rises and these patients fear sleep more, sleep becomes short and it becomes more disrupted. And what we've learned is that that further lack of sleep only exacerbates the disorder symptoms and the impact. Now, at this stage, you may be thinking, what on earth causes this? What are the underlying mechanisms of exploding head syndrome? There are, at present, several theories. The first 
is a neurological theory. Within your brain, and in fact, right at the base of the brain, there is an area called your brainstem. And within the brainstem, there is a lattice system called the reticular formation. And it is named or it's derived from the Latin of reticularis, meaning little net or a lattice-like structure. Why is that? Well, if you look at this structure under the microscope, the reticular system of the brainstem resembles almost a crisscross matrix or a, a lattice web. And it's a lattice web of sensory and motor neurons, among other things, which then rise up and project all over the brain. And in addition to being one of the central locations for sensory and motor processing within the brain, the reticular system of the brainstem also plays a critical role in wakefulness and sleep, including the hypnagogic phase going into sleep and the hypnopompic phase coming out of sleep. This podcast is supported by Athletic Greens, which is now known as AG1. AG1 is a comprehensive nutritional drink that contains countless key health components. Actually, let me stop there. I say countless, but I actually know the company. I know how the product is made. And I believe at last count, it's over 75 different vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics, and other whole food nutrient sources. I do drink AG1 every day for the record. And also for the record, I buy my own supply because of all of the obvious integrity trappings that come with the free product. I know the company well, I know how the product is made, and I genuinely trust in their manufacturing. They are registered and approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. They also have GMP stamps, which means Good Manufacturing Practice Badges. Basically, they're rigorous. So if you'd like to pick up an offer and get some money off your first order, and also get some free travel packs, just go to the link drinkag1.com forward slash Matt Walker. So that's drinkag1.com forward slash Matt Walker. And you will get some money off your purchase. So again, last time, that is drinkag1.com forward slash Matt Walker. In truth, I do also use uh, my own link to try and get some money off. Uh, I do buy it myself, but I do use the link to get that code money off too. And you can use that link as well. Thanks very much. Whilst still perhaps crude, the current neurological theories have focused on this brain stem site as the epicenter of the problem. Specifically, a sudden aberration or a burst of inappropriate neural activity that occurs within the reticular formation at the point of falling asleep or waking up. And this then creates an arresting sensation, an auditory hallucination, that we call exploding head syndrome. I should note, by the way, that a more recent theory has proposed that problems are not just occurring within the brainstem, 
but they're also occurring higher up in the brain. In fact, in the auditory cortex of the brain, sitting on the left and the right side, just above your ears. So that's the first theory. The second theory comes back to stress and anxiety. What we've discovered is that when patients are experiencing higher than normal levels of stress or anxiety, there is a significant increase in the number of exploding head syndrome episodes that they suffer. And this suggests that the fight or flight system of the body and its release of things like adrenaline and other stress hormones such as cortisol may also be contributing or even be the trigger of those brainstem reticular system bolts of jolting auditory activity. So that's mechanism. Now let's come on to treatment. One of the most studied and reliable modalities for treating sleep disorders, including exploding head syndrome, is cognitive behavioral therapy. And you've heard me speak about this before on this show. This form of psychological therapy aims to specifically target the stress and anxiety components of exploding head syndrome. And in particular, CBT techniques equip the patients with the skills to better manage the psychological triggers, particularly the stress and anxiety. They focus on stress reduction techniques like mindfulness, meditation, and deep breathing. And when anxiety and stress are reduced, the frequency of those symptoms also decreases. I would be remiss, however, not to mention that various medications have been used in the treatment of exploding head syndrome, albeit on what we call an off-label basis. Why? Because there is no drug that has been formally approved for this condition. Once again, folks, I am not a medical doctor so speak with a physician if you are wanting to inquire about this. My job here is not to offer prescriptive medical advice, but rather provide you with descriptive scientific knowledge. And for medications, one drug called clomipramine, which is an antidepressant, has been described to decrease the frequency of these episodes in some patient groups with exploding head syndrome. Other medications have included anticonvulsants like gabapentin and also topramate. The studies currently are small in number, but they are promising despite their isolated nature. And our current thinking is that these medications modulate neurotransmitter levels within the brain that alter neuronal excitability. And by dampening that neural overactivity that I described occurring in exploding head syndrome patients, it can reduce down the frequency of those symptoms. Okay, folks, so there you have it. Exploding head syndrome. It is a real sleep disorder, and it is one that deserves both attention and also respect. And I hope I have approached it in a scientifically meaningful manner, not in a social media clickbait way. I offer this information with reverence. And with that, I will wish you a very non-combustible, very non-ignitable sleep this evening. Take care.
and bye for now.